Hello, everybody, and welcome to another scintillating episode of the Chocolate Bros Podcast. It's, with who, who's here? Uh, let's see. Scintillating Brian is here, and uh, I got to say, Adam, I really like the tone, the energy you brought into that first that that first couple sections of the podcast. I feel like you really nailed it. Well, thanks a lot for bringing the energy down, bro. I expect, <laughs> you, to, I expect you to come in hot. All right. Well, let's just, let me just say this. I am Brian and that is Adam. We are the chocolate bros. So named because we are bros. Yes. And if you want to check out the chocolate that we are responsible for, please check out the website, www.fortunatochocolate.com. I think we got close to 2000 five-star reviews on there. Yep. We got a lot of five-star reviews. The people be loving that chocolate. Now, when you say we are responsible for the chocolate, Adam, is that like moral responsibility or we're responsible for bringing it into the world? What's your definition of we are responsible for the chocolate? I'd like to know. We, we, we stand behind that chocolate 100% and any effects that, that result from eating that chocolate, we take full responsibility for, for that. I now like the, it. Now the effects are mostly going to be jubilation. Absolutely. And smiles and happiness. I'm willing to take responsibility, credit. I want all the good stuff yeah. coming from that chocolate. Uh, and, I mean, what bad stuff could come from it? Like, come on. This is a non-harmful industry look, that we're in. We're making chocolate for Pete's sake. Now, speaking of five-star reviews. Yes. We have our wonderful friend, customer, future business partner. Wait a minute. On, on the podcast with us. We have our first guest ever of the podcast today, Adam. That's right. Wow. Not only do we have an innovative business model, but we are Mm -hmm. innovative in podcasting as well because we're bringing our customers onto the show and we're going into business with them. It's got to be, it's got to be the first time this has ever been done, both bringing a customer onto a podcast and having that customer join us in the business. So Adam, without further ado, who we got on, we got our great friend, David Aniho. Why don't you say hi, David Aniho. Hello. Oh, you're supposed to come in hot. Ah, come on, David. Bring it, bring it hot, baby. <laughs> I didn't want to scare everybody away right away. Come on. <laughs> we, talked, we talked about this before the podcast started. You're supposed to come in hot. The, the, David's got a deep kind of a baritone thing going on there. He's got a little bit of a Barry White vibe coming in. I mean, he came in, he came in mellifluous, if I may say. To, please don't ask me to sing. <laughs> well now i'm almost required to ask you to, to sing something later on uh well i i did want to mention that uh i'm a musician i'm a bass player i can i can i can do some stuff on a bass that makes but, perfect sense based on based on hearing your voice david i gotta say you playing the bass makes absolute sense to me did you say bass on it or based on it no nice. <laughs> there well we played. go yeah all right well yeah nice didn't um, right in um barry white he was actually a good singer, right? He wasn't just a guy who had a deep voice that could say say stuff that the ladies liked. Was he an actual good, talented singer, or did he just have that deep talking voice? I would have to say this: that in most music, the artist has two things to to bring. Uh, I, I kind of relate everything back to your guys' business because because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a fan. Yeah, so. First of all, they have what the audience wants and then the actual lyrics. If they mean something or they don't mean something. Most times, lyrics are, are, are genuinely somebody's uh, experience, mm-hmm. uh, feelings. So if that touches you, it, who cares how low the voice can go? <laughs> well, what was the, the music's good and right. And the, uh, uh, there was Barry White, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. 
So that, that's right. Oh, I mean, but let's meant, face it, that, that meant something. It wasn't it wasn't the 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 outright quality of of the lyrics, but he brought he brought that feeling to it, man. I mean, it's like it's like if you got something to say, that's one thing, but if you got something to say and then you say it the way he said it, that takes it to the next. Well, there level. you go. So that, and bring, that that brings us back to the chocolate. Bring it back to chocolate. You can yeah. you if you got the cacao, the sugar, you can make the chocolate. But and it's how you make it. It's what you make of it. That's what makes it sing, baby. For for sure. May, go may ahead. I say this is that one of my pride and joys of of sharing you your your story that everything that you've accomplished in the last 13 years uh remind you when you started this business in 2008 that's when i went over to iraq <laughs> same year and we should so we should, I mean, let, we should the let the people that's listening know that david aniho is not just a great fan of of our of our chocolate and become a great friend of the company and of us personally but david all respects to David is a, a veteran, a combat veteran of the United States Army. And much like I'm a veteran, but not a combat veteran of the Army. And, uh, and, and so when he refers to going to Iraq, we're, he, we was not there on a pleasure trip. We should just <laughs> let the people know that up front. David, David was sent over there uh, to, 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 to protect freedom. And so what was, what was that all about, David? To let us know. Well, so, okay, let me, let me explain real fast the, the, the quick history. I, I owned my own business. We were starting another business. 9-11 came, and it was, I can't see another uh, son or daughter go over there without me doing my part for this country. I was, uh, I was compelled. I was driven, and I was pulled to serve. So I did what I, well, I guess what any non-military career-minded man would do. I joined the National Guard knowing I'd go over in the sandbox and do my part. It wasn't for, it wasn't for, for anything but being a body instead of a mature body. I went to basic training at 40 years old <laughs> with all the gazelles. Wait, I got ha to, had you been in military, had you been in the military before this and you went back in or that was your first time in the military? Negative and never military. My, my my entire life has been really about other people helping out. Uh, I was in security and surveillance basically most of my life, so uh, it was right up my alley. I, and I, I really, Brian, I, I had to do my part, and that's really what it boiled down to. And I knew there was going to be less one child going over there thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get a thirty thousand dollar bonus," and and their lives are at stake almost every day if you're where I was. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware of that either. I, I remember, I remember uh, uh, 9-11 very clearly that morning and that night. And I remember as soon as it happened and that whole day, because, you know, I, I had been in the military. I had been out for 11 years at that point. And I remember that night I was bartending and I was watching the news coverage just like every other human. Um, and I was I, for for five days. I was having a strong debate in myself whether to go back in or not. And I think almost every veteran that I have talked to since was having that same internal dialogue about whether to get back, get back in the military exactly after 9-11. Every one of us did. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, uh, I'm glad I did. Uh, I sustained a traumatic brain injury from it. Uh, still hard to talk about, but on the lighter side, a lot of lives were saved. And I got to tell you, some of the best, in which we'll get, I hope we get into 
some of the best missions I had were the humanitarian missions going into the villages and actually interacting with the locals and the elders and the kids. It, it, mm-hmm. it, that was, that really made everything all right. Well, one, well, thing, one thing that David has mentioned to me is when he hears us talking about, about Peru and working, working with the farmers out in Campo, a lot of those experiences have reminded him of those humanitarian missions in Iraq. But let, me, but let, me just, let me just add one thing on, David. I didn't, yep. I thought you were, I thought you were like a career, I always thought you were a career military person. I didn't know that you enrolled for the very first time when you were, when you were 40. Is that right? <laughs> After 9-11? Yeah, uh, 2004. That dude, you're a hero, man. I did not, no, know, no, I didn't no, know that that was the context. You're, you're a freaking hero, dude. Because you, 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 uh, how, how do I put this? You touch the lives that, that, that you uh, are in front of. I, I mean, if nobody feels that, nobody sees it. And, and Brian, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you the respect I have, <laughs> I have for you. Your, your wisdom and your knowledge and, and, and life experiences are, I mean, I can't even, there's, I, I would never compare. I just have, I'm not. I'm not a wisdom man. I, I, I live with, with, with the results of, of serving this country because I, I did the right thing. And uh, I'd follow you guys to the end of the earth. I absolutely would. All right. Well, we got, a soldier. we got a soldier in the chocolate army, Adam. We, did, we got no doubt about it. It's the chocolate that really, uh, that really pulled me to get, get to know you guys before I actually get to meet you. And I'm including I'm including Dan. Uh, I mean, my goodness, and and Brenda, my wife of 31 years, absolutely got me pushed to get out of the house, start interacting, and do what I'm supposed to do, and that's inspire, let people know it's okay, and that there's people out there like Adam Pearson and Brian Horsley and Dan Pearson. Oh, that, that, that's nice of you to say, David, and and. <laughs> Adam, you have I, you have referenced before, and it, it bears repeating. The first time that we met David in person, describe what that was like, Adam, walking up on David the first time that we met him in person over at uh, right next to the to the new office because that was a that was a real that was a real I, funny scene. Well, I, I well, mentioned I'm, it before. I'm going to, but I, I want to give a little context and also just for the listeners, I want to let you know that uh, I can see we're getting a message that David's internet connection is a little slow. So if you hear it like a little choppy. It's just that. But so both, thank you for, for bearing with us. There's no worries, David. It's no problem at all. I could just, I, I, could, I could hear the audio getting a little choppy. So I just want to let our listeners know. Are we, Adam, can we discount completely that the Iraqis may be jamming his signal right now? A little, <laughs> a, a little bit of payback? Is that something that it's, it's almost, almost certainly what's going almost on? Almost certainly. I yeah. think that's probably safe to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was somebody from another country who actually created a hassle with my wife and I when I got back and I had to cancel credit cards bank cards be, and it was a different country than iraq that yeah they, they got my number so. well it's almost certain that they, it's almost a sure thing that bath party loyalists have hacked david's computer. I, I think it's it's undoubtedly yeah, the is. case uh, what was that who was the the press flack for for saddam hussein a uh, baghdad bob i think they used to call him uh, yeah. the guy who got on tv and used to give the most absurd yeah, and ludicrous yeah. i'm pretty sure the ministry he ran there the you know the iraqi information ministry has somehow got word that david was going to be our first guest on this podcast. i, re- I, I remember mean, that I remember it's that strategic. guy. Getting, it's strategic. I, I remember that guy getting on the air. He's like, "Who the Americans? Like, no problem. <laughs> They're not here. Yeah. They would never be here. Where we will stand for a thousand years." And at that moment, the tanks came around the corner. Yeah. So, so and then me... relates back to chocolate again, real quick, because what I wanted to try and say, and because of my 
my lack of brain uh, stability, the 1879 pre-electric conch in mm -hmm. Switzerland. That is one of my pride and joys to share with people about what you guys have created. I, my goodness, I can, I, I, I can just Brian's in the last, I know Brian, that's what I mean. I, well, he's way up there to, and, yeah. No, I, yeah, and Brian's been over there to see those things in person. Dan's been over mm -hmm. there. I haven't actually been there in person yet. Well, you got you two should go together to the to the Falkland factory because you guys have a blast going to that factory. We're, we're too busy. So we're, so we're we're too busy letting people know know about the chocolate, David. We haven't got a chance well, to go. Yeah, Adam and I are doing what we do, and and that's look at. Uh, I want everybody to know I'm a very joyful, happy person. And if you get in front of me, you better uh, expect a couple of hours of of fun and joy. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and and a lot of and a lot of chocolate related back and Absolutely. forth. Yeah, uh, that you know, chocolate's my life. <laughs> so, so, so go, going back to what Brian was saying about the first time that we met you in person, David. So, um, David, I think respond started responding to our, our daily emails, which a lot of our listeners will be getting um, and and get. And I think maybe this is I want to say it was eight or nine months ago, maybe David, when you first responded to one of our emails and you talked to my dad on the phone, something like that. Yeah. It was it was life changing, but I can't I I, I don't do dates and whatnot. Left Brent, so it was it was <laughs> it was it was something like that. And when, one of the things that I've been writing about in our emails is the logistical problems that we've been having because we got to ship cacao from Peru to Switzerland. And then Wait, we ship by the way, here. Adam, yeah. next episode, next episode, we got to let folks we got to delve into the logistics because from the Adam. farm to the person who's eating the chocolate to the consumer, there is a absolutely unbelievable logistical chain that happens but let's leave that for the next yeah. ep the next episode i want to dig, dig in a logistics go, go, people go. people don't know about that they yeah. just don't know about it go yeah. ahead david i see you raising your hand uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, brian fellow brother and i don't officially want to say thank you for your service it means <laughs> the world to know that <laughs> that, well, that you serve to and your brother well, so i, I would say this by the way david i would say this the motor pool at fort polk louisiana was never safer Never safer. The camouflage netting were never freer of pine needles. The multi-channel, the communications were never more multi-channel than when I was running them. Let me they, tell you something. They've never been operating on so many channels. And when I went outside the wire, you know how much I appreciate that? Because I was a driver. And so right up that logistics were because even though I was a scout, uh, you know, I had a hundred trucks behind me, uh, a third local nationals drivers. And you know, logistics is a big deal getting from A to B, especially from Iraq to the Turkey border. It's crazy, crazy logistics. Yeah. You the one thing about chocolate logistics, we rarely have, there's rarely improvised explosive devices, Adam. I think only, <laughs> only three times can I recall ever encountering an improvised explosive device or IED when moving the chocolate. However, however, we do have to deal with cantankerous burrows, donkeys, uh, we have to deal with swollen rivers. There are, we, I'm, I'm just saying, we got some things. We got Tur issues. Turkey vultures. Right. Turkey Absolutely. vultures, but not bombs. Not bombs. Thank <laughs> you. Only, only, the, only those three times. Yeah. Just yeah. three. Just three times. Things, uh, those things could be much more dangerous in a lot of different ways. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I, 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 I don't know. I think I'd rather. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't write off an angry yeah. donkey. I mean, those guys could, <laughs> kick, they could kick you really hard. Dogs. Uh, let's see what else is there yeah, yeah. Dogs. Dogs. we've talked about the dogs in camp but you know oh what I, there's a 
there is a theme developing here, and I think we should delve into. Wait, 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 wait! I didn't well, get. Well, a, well. I didn't get a chance to explain the first time we met David. Ah, go ahead and explain it. Go right, ahead. Hold on, hold on, David. Watch let my me, theme. Yeah, let me get this. Let me let me get through this. So David wrote us, and then we wrote an email saying we were going to be looking for a business manager in Peru. I did, which we hired mm -hmm. a, a guy in Peru to help us out. But David wrote back and said, "Hey, if you need business managers, you might want to consider me. I've been a business owner, and I'm a I'm a war vet." And I, I wrote him back and said, well, look, that particular business manager thing that we were that I was writing about is in Peru. And I doubt, David, you're going to want to go live in Peru. Uh, on, on, or maybe you would. I don't know. But that's what I wrote. But I told you we were opening, opening up our retail store October 15th here in Issaquah. David lives about 45 minutes um, south of us in, T in Tacoma. Is that right? On a, on a good day. Yep. On a good day. Maybe more. Oh, yes. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> you understand that logistics of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I said, but David, you know what, man, if you want to get involved in some part of this business, maybe, maybe you'd be interested in helping us out on the retails, on the retails, the new retail store. And David jumped at that and we've been planning together. But so he met us at the location where our first retail store was. And I think David probably got there like 25 minutes early or something like that before we showed up. <laughs> He was already, or was it even earlier, David? 37 minutes, 37 seconds. Yeah, got here third gap. Did yeah. I tell you I had OCD too? Yeah, he's got OCD. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm David. I'm going to need a more precise time from now on. I don't want any right. sloppy yeah. timekeeping. I'm going to yeah, need it right yeah. down to the half second. Okay, I want half second increments, please. I'm going to get the Greenwich time for you. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. perfect. Thank so go you. ahead, Adam. Yeah, so we walked up and David is like in some deep animated conversation with with one of the neighbors who's in that, in that business park with us. Mm -hmm. And which we, we didn't know who she was. I know I knew who she was. David, right. uh, David, David had walked into the wrong unit. Cause I, I don't think I gave him the unit number. And, uh, but he, but he made friends with whoever was in there. And he'd been talking to that lady for like 15 minutes when we walked up and she agreed to, to put, put all of our flyers and our, some of our promotional materials <laughs> in her local business, which actually has the exact type of people we want walking mm -hmm. in there. So, First, first moment um, that we met him, he was out there promoting Fortunato chocolate. So Fortunato number four chocolate. So he's the I man. And honestly, I've been standing out a few more times, standing out in front of the shop with David. And David is, uh, I think, one of the one of the most personable, sweetest people mm -hmm. that that everybody loves when they meet him. And like he said, you really can't get into a conversation without David for being there for like. 20, 30 minutes, like you're legit best friends when you start he's, talking. He's with David. got the killer sales instinct. Now, I mean, there are those that say that he walked into that office suite because of the brain damage. But I'm not one of those people, Adam. I'm one of those people that say he walked in there because he wanted to make that sale. Honestly, you wouldn't. I, David brings it up a lot. Like maybe his, like, you know, his memory might be a little messed right. up and stuff, but you like, you would not no. notice that. David no, just we kid. funny, we kid. smart, awesome. That's dude. right. We kid because we care. Hopefully David, we're close enough to be, to, to be able to make fun of, I'm going to give you some, I'll tell you some of my war wounds and you can go ahead and make fun of them as much as you want to. So yeah. right, go ahead, David, go ahead, man. We're not letting him get a word in. Please. <laughs> I love you. Like my, you're my brothers. Uh, if you don't give me a hard time, I'm going to start worrying. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brenda tells me the same thing. Like I said, I've been married 31. What a blessing to find people who run a business and do what you've done with, with, uh, with a Fortunato 4. It's just amazing. And so Brenda tells me the same thing. David, if you never told anybody you had a head injury, didn't show them your ear-to-ear -ear scar, they would never know you had a brain injury. <laughs> I, and I think about that thinking, well, I'm probably the only one laughing about that I do have a brain injury, and I know I do, but that's what I think 
that's why I am the way I am. So that's funny to me I, in some weird way. Well, well, and, you, I, and I know you got like the to... right guys because we'll go ahead and make fun of you for it. Like, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll ruthlessly, we'll ruthlessly get after it. Don't worry about that. Man, well, I'm going to make the loopia for you then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and like what a lot of, I think men realize this, but I think maybe what some of our women realize, what, what our women listeners probably don't realize is the way men show each other affection is by just beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> That's right. Verbally, Absolutely. verbally, mentally, physically, whatever it may be. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if I show up and I've got like a stain on my shirt or something and my Brian and, and Brian or David goes like, dude, what are you? you what are, uh, First day you, on the new lips, Adam? Yeah, are you like, gonna, what are you, the world's crappiest eater? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Adam? Most people can't actually chew with their ears. So try yeah. the mouth next time, yeah. bro. Hey, where'd you yeah. get that shirt? Stains are us. <laughs> Right. And, and so forth. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Then when, and then, that, and when that happens, I go, he likes me. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most endearing things about guys. And of course, David, you were in the military. And so, you know, the, the, the chop busting that goes on at the military level is military grade. Um, oh, it's above and be, it's above and beyond. Absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah. You didn't, you didn't have the, uh, the, unex, the, un, uh, from, or I guess it would be unfamiliar to you. I'm 40 years old going through boot camp with these gazelles, these 18, 19, 20 year olds. Hey, hey I got to do my part. And you know, as well as I, because of my age, I'm allowed a little more time on the two mile run. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I went through, uh, and this, uh, this is one of my, besides my head injuries, one of my only LODs was I <laughs> went through my entire uh, uh, employ, employ, uh, deployment with a broken ankle. <laughs> Well, yeah, the only thing holding it together for the first three or four months was my boots and their ace bandage when I wasn't outside the wire. <laughs> and Man. so what, what did the 18 and 19 year old say to you? Like, th did they give you a hard time or did they treat you like, well, like, an, like an older brother or how, like, how was that experience? Are, are you kidding me? It was Pops. It was Gramps. I was, I was just going to ask, was your nickname Pops or Gramps? Because it had to be Gramps. one of the two. Like, there's only no. that's all it could be. It was Shrek. And the reason it was Shrek. <laughs> now, hold on, hold on. I, let me paint a picture with words here, folks. <laughs> Nobody can see Mr. David Anijo, but the, the Shrek comparison is slightly apt. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a robust gentleman with a newly shaved bald head. And I will say that the, the ears don't necessarily come out quite the way that Shreks do, but there is a resemblance now. Now, among the ogre set, though, I have to say, David is one of the would definitely be one of the considered the handsomest ogres around there, Adam. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. Well, and a lot of people don't know that Brian's nickname is Farqua. <laughs> the deep Shrek reference, <laughs> getting deep in the Shrek, fantastic. Because <laughs> delicate, small, <laughs> fine features. Yeah, fine fantastic. features. Fantastic. Yeah. Built the armor. Yeah, nice. And, and Adam, of course, is the donkey. So. <laughs> I was gonna go donkey, but you know, I just decided I had to up my game a little bit. That's perfect. Yeah, one of my most favorite characters of the entire series. Oh, the donkey, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I would have been the donkey if they wouldn't have picked Shrek for me. So. <laughs> yeah. But but Shrek, but Shrek's a good guy. Yeah, he's got a good heart. I have to live with it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> He's a huge hulking brute, but other than that, you know, he's a great guy and he's got a heart of gold. Absolutely. We're yeah. going to have to, now I have, I have tried to display my Scottish accent 
uh, on this show. And since Shrek famously has a, oh. Scottish, a bad Scottish accent by Mike Myers, I think at some point we're going to have to get into to David's. I think that point Scottish, is right now. David, Scottish you, accent. Give us the Scottish accent, David. An ogre is like an onion. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not. That's better than mine. That's right. far better than mine. Go ahead, Brian. Say an ogre is like an onion. Scottish accent. An ogre is like an onion. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. That was pretty good. That was yeah. that. that okay. was... Go ahead, David. Jim, I'm a captain. I'm a doctor. I'm not uh, 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 an interpretist. Is that Scotty? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, now, now we're confusing Bones with Scotty the engineer, but that's all right. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll so, get there. Yes, point to his head. So, listen. <laughs> if you want this type of hilarity, don't forget to come into the store. If you make yes. your way to Issaquah, we're we're giving away free hot chocolate at all times. We're also doing Scottish accents on demand. So make sure make sure you come by this by the store, meet David in person. Now we're gonna have to do a little work, Adam, with the gals that 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 work in the shop. Um, our, our Rosa and Celia, the 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 fantastic uh, um, Mexican ladies that work in there. I've not I'm not sure how their Mexican heritage is gonna play into their Scottish accent. I wonder how that's <laughs> gonna go. That's gonna be fun fun to find out. I think. Hey, this is what leadership is all about, Brian. You're right. You're right. Right. Hey, you hold you told you you hold people accountable. That's right. And if we need a good Scottish accent, then that's what we have to we have to we have to demand of our of our workers. Of David, train him up. He's got the he's already got the goods. May I not? uh, May I uh, uh, vote against everybody learning Italian? Though was that part of the plan? Uh, you said that a couple of podcasts ago that everybody had to learn Italian. Everybody had to speak Italian in the store. (laughs) Did we? I don't remember saying that, but if I said that, I retract. I fully retract my Italian. Italian, The thing is... It wasn't... No, no, no. It it may not even have been Italian. It was a certain language. You said everybody has to learn it. And of course, you were joking, but I don't... I think you were talking... I think it was Italian. No, yeah, no, no. I, I, by the way, I wasn't joking in Italian is too easy. That's the problem. It's Latin based, oh, just like English. Okay. We got to yeah. get something that's completely of maybe Finnish or Hungarian, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, there's too many cognates with Italian or an Asian language, something that has, you know, diff, not even script. That's definitely we're going to up our game. Either up that game in every either, sense. Either that and 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 the Scottish accents. All right. of the so, above. <laughs> so, Brian, tell us what the actual theme of the show is now that we're like a half an hour in. OK, so I what David what David said and, and kind of some of the the constant stories that we tell brought up the, the fact that uh, we're we're relatively well-traveled gentlemen. Uh, and I thought it'd be, it'd be fun to just sort of like dig into some, some wild and crazy overseas stories. Some, some of the crazy stuff you've seen overseas. Um, so I, I, I thought that that might be a fun way to, to, to start. So let me, let me just start by this. So I'm going to just interview Adam and David for a second here. That's, uh, so Adam, how many foreign countries have you been to? May I ask? I really haven't been to that many, maybe five, five foreign countries. What, what are those countries? Let's, I'm, I'm curious. So uh, stuff that's around Peru. So Peru, Ecuador, Bolivia. Mm-hmm. I think just Peru, Ecuador, Bolivia. I've been to Greece. I've been okay. I've been to Greece. I've been to France mm-hmm. and Mexico. All right. So yeah, six or seven countries. And what about you, David? But I've spent most most of that time I was in Peru. Go ahead, David. Right. Most of it was Peru. Okay. okay so obviously, um, born and raised in Tacoma, so uh, United States, 
Oh, different. I'm sorry. Iraq, Germany, Ireland. Uh, and these are just like stopovers. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't even get to spend any time. In them. But uh, uh, Afghanistan, that's its own country, right? <laughs> it's not part of Iraq. Yes. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> and I didn't actually, I didn't serve in Afghanistan. I served in Iraq, in Iraq, but the amount of co countries and Kuwait's not, that's not a country, is it? Kuwait is a country. Kuwait, yes. Kuwait's okay, a country. Well, everybody yeah. goes through Kuwait if they're going into Iraq. Or, or it's yeah. a small so, country. Uh, yeah, I get sick. Okay. All right. Interesting. And you, Brian, you've been to way more, but go ahead, Brian. I have seen a few countries. I've been, yeah, I've been to Canada and Mexico. I've been, I've, to, I've been to Canada. I've been to Canada too. Yeah, I've been to South Korea and uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, um, Indonesia. I've been to Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, Argentina, Costa Rica, Belize. Um, I've been to Germany and France and Switzerland, Austria, uh, England, Israel, Egypt. Um, I don't know. I'm probably missing a few, but that, yeah, I've been to probably 20 places, 20, 20 countries, maybe around the world. Uh, obviously Peru. Um, yeah. Peru is yeah. where we've got the deepest expertise and yeah, yeah, yeah. David, obviously Iraq is where he has the most expertise. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, yeah. So I've been to probably about 20, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 25 countries, something like that. So yeah. Okay. I counted 24 that you mentioned. 24. <laughs> were, you count, were you counting David? <laughs> On my fingers. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The answer is 24, Brian. The answer is 24. You're right. I, th I, I feel like I may have forgot something. Uh, I don't think I said Greece, um, where we were together, Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, hey, hey, you, so the, th the theme is we're going to talk about, well, you go ahead and do the theme. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. Uh, so, so wild stuff that you've seen, because one of the great things about getting out there and traveling is you just see things from a different perspective. So what I'm talking about doesn't have to be wild, like, oh, but just stuff that, that, that opened your eyes to the way that the world is different outside the bubble that forms around you, not just in the U S because the U S is wildly diverse, but the bubble where you are. Um, and so that, that can also be stuff that's wildly different that you saw when you went to New York city, that was different than Tacoma, you know, it could be that too, but the, the, the things that made you sit up and take note that the world is wildly, wildly diverse when you were overseas, anything that jumps off the page I, makes you go, wow, go ahead, Adam. What was I, I'm going to start with two. Okay. So the first one is in Greece, uh, at the at the beaches in Greece. Mm -hmm. Dudes with mullets wearing uh, thong un thong swimming trunks. Mm, the Euro I, thong. The Euro dude thong. The dude Euro thong. Oh, and, and just and a mullet. And the guy's just strutting, you know, strutting down the beach. And these are not necessarily fit fellows. Yes, the old, the Euro banana hammock. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very, very interesting just look. Just like, Absolutely. I mean, I just don't know what the, you know, what the motivation behind growing a mullet and putting on skimpy underwear is for a dude. I mean, just to look fantastic. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just looking great. What was the second one you were going to bring? And I couldn't, I couldn't stop looking. I didn't want to look, but I couldn't stop. It's like get a look at you look at this guy like start telling people look at this hey, hey check are you this seeing guy this out. there's another one all right so all right so that's one but um so when i was in peru for a time i taught english mm -hmm. and i used to go over to this one guy's house this is before we were even in the chocolate business i used to go over to this one guy's house who worked at the mine and i would go to his house at like 5 30 a.m before he left for the mine every morning to mm -hmm. give him an english lesson and one morning I, so I would knock on the door and then wait for him to come answer the door. I was sitting on, I was sitting on the, the sidewalk curb in front of his house. 
and a, a taxi came driving by and like clipped a pigeon out of the air. And the pigeon flew up in the air and lied dead on the street. Now, a guy, a Peruvian guy was riding by on his bike right at that same time. And as soon as he saw the, dead, the taxi hit the dead pigeon, he did a quick U-turn, came back, picked the dead pigeon up off of the street, put it in his, um, the basket that he had on the handlebars on his bike and drove away with it. And I thought, there you go. These people look at food and animals much differently than we do at the United States. Calories are calories to these guys. And if they got a free meal, then they're going to go ahead and grab it and take it home with them. Absolutely. Good, good examples, Adam. That's, a, that, that's good stuff. And yes, I've seen, I've definitely seen the difference in, in, in Peru and other poor countries about how people feel about where they get their calories. I never saw, not. never saw dudes no. with long underwears on the beach in Peru either. Well, you just weren't looking, my friend, because, because I was there. I was there in all my glory. I mean, doing my thing. You you're, know? Not a, you're not a Peruvian. No, but I do have a thong. Yeah. All right, <laughs> all right David. What about, what about you? What was something eye-opening that you saw in, in any of the places that you've, that you've been to that made you sit up and say, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm not in Tacoma anymore. I'm, I'm out well, there. We, <clears throat> I knew, I knew what, what I was getting into. I mean, I was, I was 40. I think through uh, 2008 from 2000, I was, I was 42 years old when I went over. So I knew what I was getting into, but there was always that culture talk, of course, because on the one side, you're, you're in the military. On the other side, there's human beings that we're dealing with every day outside of the military. That's their, it's their land. It's their home. So I guess the most memorable, uh, just, thing that stuck out to me was how the villages that how, how they treated each other uh you know out uh, anybody from the outside was really not that welcome because they weren't a part of their everyday life and just how they treated their children i watched kids you know at school break smoking cigarettes at eight years old seven years old and that was normal and i just couldn't believe that <laughs> huh. <laughs> and it's probably some of our troops that were throwing them to them. Who knows? But I mean, there was no adults that would ever uh, say anything to them, stop them, grab them. But and then when they sat in the schools, the kids, they had their hands up on the desk or if it was a table uh, with one hand over the other, elbows to the side. And they sat there with their heads straight up, legs together, knees together, ankles together. And they were obedient to that teacher in that room and every school room was like that yeah that's not, nothing like around here yeah <laughs> but, but then really but, interesting but then those same kids would step outside and have a smoke break absolutely huh. well not all of them of course and but yeah i mean uh it was so the 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 the, the way the children knew about uh discipline obedience and the right and wrong thing to do while in the presence of an adult that was teaching them or their parents but on their own free time recess or uh, after they've done their chores or that's their time. And so if they're smoking, if they're doing whatever, the, there's no adults that are stopping them. So, I mean, that sounds like the kids there are significantly more mature. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And well, I think by the way, cool. Adam, that's, I think that's, that, that's a theme because in Campo, the kids tend to be a little bit more mature too. I think Ab that absolutely. You, that you grow up faster when you have to, you know? Yeah. I got a story yeah. about Campo too. I remember once seeing, um, probably like an eight or nine year old kid stomping down the street with like a toolbox in his hand alone. And, and this is, this is in Puerto Suelo in, in Campo in Peru. And I asked him like, Hey, where are you going? I just had to ask him, where are you going? Cause he was walking with a purpose. 
And I said, uh, where are you going? He said, I'm going to work. I said, what do you mean you're going to work? He said, I, I, got, I got a business. I, I have to go work. He's like, what do you do? I just clean taxis. So he just had a business <laughs> clean, like cleaning taxis. He was nine. And nobody was telling him to go do it. He was just doing it because he had to make some money for his family. So that's what's up. Yep. I'm sure you've got examples of that too, Brian. Yeah, well, by the way, I know I know those kids, and I know that taxi washing uh, place that happened that, that, yeah. in, in Puerto Cerrillo. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah. in high end, there are several uh, car washes where they're all completely staffed by um, by little kids who will wash your car for you. But um, so yeah, I'm trying to. So I've been I've seen a lot of stuff, and yes, the world is is vastly different. I'll I'll talk about like uh, so when I was a kid, I went to Israel and Egypt. Um, and also in, in France and Greece briefly with mom and grandma, who you didn't uh, have a chance to know very well before she passed. But um, and I certainly saw some eye opening things there. I went inside the Great Pyramid of Cheops and prayed at the West at the Great Wall, um, at the Western Wall in Jerusalem and inside the Dome of the Rock in Al-Aqsa and went down to the West Bank when you could still do that and ate baklava from an Arab trader and i mean rode a camel the, the crazy stuff but i was just a kid but the first time i went out of the country as an adult i went to thailand with my friend tim and uh we got in we got in late at night and uh and and his uh his wife uh thai girl was there waiting with her family and we rode out of the airport but not into the city where everybody else goes we went east out into this countryside out into this just big vast agricultural area and we got to her little village um late at night, I couldn't see anything. And the next morning I thought a bomb was going off. It was still kind of half dark. And I thought I was this incredible noise everywhere. So they had put, they had pulled a bed out onto the, the, like the terrace out beside this very humble little house. There was this little outside area and I had a mosquito net around me. And like I said, it was dark when we got there and dark when I went to sleep. And it's just a few hours later, I'm zoned out from an international, from a 17 hour international flight, more 20 something hours. And there's noise exploding all around me. And I came to, and I was startled and I didn't really know where I was. And it was, all the animals in the jungle that surrounded this village, monkeys were going crazy. The birds were going crazy. The bugs were going crazy. And it was so incredibly foreign. It was one of those moments where you think, man, I'm as far from home as you can be. I'm basically on the, the antipode of the globe from where I'm from. And everything's different here. The air's different. It smells different. It sounds different. It feels different. They're speaking a different language. The food is different. And it was just one of those like complete immersion moments where you wake up. It sort of felt, it felt like exploding, be, waking up underwater and exploding out of the, out of the water to take a breath and realizing I have no idea where I'm at. Just, just a remarkable experience. Um, and then Thailand. Wow. Uh, so I'll give you another, another one from Thailand, going to Bangkok and seeing 10,000 people doing Tai Chi in unison in Lumpini park uh, at six in the morning, mostly old women, 10,000 people doing anything exactly in unison, slowly, man, oh man, what a crazy sight that was. Absolutely phenomenal. There's just, there's nothing like that anywhere else. Good stuff. Wow. David, you, you want to go, you want to go next with another one, David? I got another one too. Okay. So this one's kind of funny and I'm, I'm going to relate it to uh, Brian mm -hmm. and I, because we both 
love our show. Matter of fact, I feel like I have too much hair right now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the barbers over in Iraq, <laughs> mm. they do a whole different thing than uh, anybody in the United States would even imagine a barber would do, which could include all the way down to the lower back uh, a series of of percussion like <laughs> it sounds worse than it is and it and literally when it's hitting their their palms and their cup palms are hitting your hand your 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 back or your head even your head shoulders it sounds much worse than it feels but it doesn't necessarily feel good especially you know i don't really want to be touched that way but that's part of the head the, the haircut so you don't I mean, we're, we're in their land. This is what they do it. And uh, I'm sure they were looking for a tip too, but um, <laughs> the, the, the eyebrows, they use a, like an elastic uh, uh, type of uh, cordage and they'd spin it. And that's how it pulls the, the eyebrows. Ah. So it's perfectly lined up. Uh, they do that for mustaches. Uh, yeah. Very different type of, of service as far as their their haircutting and uh, I was uh, I'm cutting my own fingernails and toenails. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> now and for for the people that can't that are hearing this but can't see, I'm sure David had a really really nice set of of of, of eyebrows before his massive head trauma that happened, and now everything's kind of out of whack and out of alignment. He's got this big jagged purple scar that's going all down. <laughs> the face and forehead and everything. But I'm, I'm guessing before your traumatic head injury, David, you, you had a real, you had a real championship set of set of bushy eyebrows on you at that one point, I'm guessing. Uh, I was a JC Penny model wannabe. <laughs> Those famous JC Penny models. Wow. <laughs> well, I couldn't go to Montgomery Ward. Not many people remember that one. <laughs> well, well, David, that what you just mentioned gave gave me a memory. I I, I think we were probably we were we were flying to Greece. I forget what country we were in. We stopped over somewhere. I, I think it was France, and we had a layover. And in France, they had mas- like a massage business inside the airport, mm-hmm. and it was all Asian guys. I think they were Chinese guys. And they were doing like Chinese style massage. And my wife said, you know what? I'm going to get a massage. And they sit you like in a chair. You sit in a chair with kind of your face and a little ring. And the dude massaged my wife. And at the end of the massage, when he was done, he slapped her in the butt with both hands. <laughs> He's like, all right, boom, you're done. Go ahead, get on out of here. And I was watching, <laughs> and I was watching him like, should I go get yell at this guy? Or was that just like a cultural thing? Or what's the right move here? Kind of like you when you're in Iraq at the barbershop. Like, so I, does that mean uh, anybody can do that to any female after they get done massaging? If you walk up to a female and you know, just rub the shoulder and say hello, you get to, you get I, to was, I was thinking about like standing around and watching to see if he would do it for like. Right, man to right. man as well, <laughs> right. but he did it so nonchalantly, and it wasn't, you know, he did. There was no like follow up. He just kind of did. He's like, "All right, you're done. Get on out of here." <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like the same thing you'd kind of do to a horse that you wanted to go get into right. its corral. You just kind of yeah. give it a look, give it a little something, something, and yeah. But, but it is a woman, so I mean, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. By the way, just just for the record, I am not comparing your lovely wife Neri yeah. to a horse. So just, a I just want to get out there. That. Deserves more respect than that. So, Absolutely. but look, I remember um, before again before we even started getting into the chocolate business, I worked as an auto mechanic in Peru. Do you remember that, Brian? Mm-hmm. I do. Automotriz Cajamarca. Yeah. I had no experience, but, but yet because this guy was a business partner with Dan and Brian, 
they hired me. They paid me a hundred dollars a month. So I, I work at the local wage. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the guys there really wanted me to come to lunch at his house. They had asked me, what do Americans eat for lunch? And I told them, caviar, just lobster. <laughs> yeah, caviar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we drink fresh juice. Freedom. Yeah. We just did freedom, just freedom and liberty yeah. just for lunch every day. Yeah. Just, fre- yeah. Fresh juice uh, mm-hmm. that we drink through rolled up hundred dollar bills that we use in straws. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so he asked me, I told him sandwiches and he, he, he looked at me with just a look, a look of contempt sandwiches. <laughs> what do you mean you eat sandwiches? I'm like, we just eat sandwiches. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like somewhere in between insulted and confused. Right. Just, yeah. But yeah. just, yeah. More disdain than anything else. Like just, I, I can't believe you just said that. So he, he invited me over to his house to eat lunch. He wanted me to come eat lunch with him at his house. And he was a really sweet guy. And um, so one day at lunchtime, improving stick it to our lunch, we, we walked to his house and, and outside of Cajamarca, he lived in this, he lived in basically what was an, 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 an organized encampment. It was like in a big dirt field with shacks, like concrete shacks built, built on a big dirt field that had been laid out as a neighborhood, but it was just very poor. And when we went inside his house, it was a dirt floor. He lived in one room with his mom. So it was this young guy in his, in his mid-20s living with his mom in a, in a one-bedroom place with a dirt floor. They had a, loft built, they had a loft built into the wall. So Lucho, my friend, slept on the loft, and his mom slept downstairs. And in the middle of this dirt room, they had a, a wooden table and, with benches running along the sides. And they had me sit down, and his mom had cooked us a lunch. And she brought us like Peruvian lunches are usually a three course meal, a soup, and then a main oh. dish with rice and meat, and then some kind of dessert, and usually also with like a fresh fruit juice as well. Mm-hmm. And his mom just extremely kindly and lovingly brought me all this food, and we ate. And I remember at the end, Lucha looked at me because like comes called me to come in close and went, "This is better than sandwiches, huh?" And um, but the interesting <laughs> thing was um. <laughs> The, 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 the interesting thing is my dad and, and Brian had, had sent me to Peru at that time in my life to get some perspective because you wouldn't even know if I talked to me now, but I was kind of, a, I was crazier when I was younger. And, um, and I, I had been kicked out of college for crazy wow. reasons. <laughs> I would have never guessed. I know. No one, no one did. I know, but I'd been kicked out of college at that time. And I, I was probably just in a pretty unhappy space in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, but I saw that these people were happy. There was no question. Like they loved each other. They lived in a very humble surrounding. They had it in a, in a material sense, much worse than I had it, but they were happier than me. And right. I think one thing that you, you learn when you go to other countries, especially countries that are poor, is that you really start to realize that like wealth and happiness don't have to go hand in hand at all. Happiness comes from a different place. Mm-hmm. it comes and honestly in that case it came from relationship you know it came from the fact that those people had love in their life and mm-hmm. that is one of the things that i've learned from my time in peru is that love and happiness that that stuff is not linked up with with what with wealth or money or anything like that it's separate mm-hmm. and it's mostly comes from 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 love i think i mean that's Absolutely. kind of what i've concluded yeah, that's that's great, Adam. And that and that is so true that when you get out of the country and out of your bubble and you get to expose to uh, other stuff, it, that's what everybody talks about with the mind expansion, because 
it's easy to think that the way things are where you are is just the way things are, but it's not. It's the way things are where you are. And even, even within the where you are, the person in the next office suite over or next door to you or in the car next to you or across from you has a whole different reality. They could be having a whole different reality and a whole different take on things. And it's important to remember that as you're going through your daily life, because you're going to be bouncing off these people like, 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 you know, like, uh, like, uh, like pool balls as you navigate the pool table of life, if I may make a tortured metaphor. And uh, it's important to know that they might have a different take on it, you know, and that's what travel does. It exposes you to their take on it and it lets you be more accepting. Um, you know, there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance. Tolerance means you're tolerating something, but acceptance is a whole different level of understanding and empathy. And so, For sure. Yeah. Go ahead, David. May I say that, that, Allowing yourself to be vulnerable is 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 really part of, of what I think a true man can do for for their the people they love, for their community, for their country, for this world. Just be vulnerable when if you have the ability to, because Brian, you couldn't really said it better. You have to understand that if you try to compare what how you live with anybody next door, next city next country, halfway around the world, then you're obviously not understanding what life's about. Life is super simple. It's like uh, the formula is super, super easy. We treat everybody the best we can. And we live this, if we can, we live this, this life of integrity and just try to inspire and help other people so that they can have quality of life. I mean, that's, it's a simple formula and you have to have empathy to understand that other people live completely, think completely different, do completely different than you. And there's should be no reason for comparison. It should be more of accepting. If you don't like it, move on. But you mm -hmm. don't have to compare. Well, you know? I think, a, and I like what Brian said. That's I a think, great point. Go ahead, Adam. Well, I think the vulnerability thing that you just mentioned is key. Um, yes. Like, for example, I would say when Brian probably first showed up in in Campo in Peru, um, when you're a foreigner in a foreign land, you just you're really out of place, and you have a couple of you have a couple of decisions to make. You could either try to be, uh, you could try to be someone who imposes your beliefs on the situation, but that's not vulnerable, and that turns people away from you. Or you can open yourself up and realize, like, I don't know what the deal is here. So instead of trying to pretend like I know everything and I'm the one that's here with the answers. Let me just go ahead and admit that I need to learn from y'all and I need to pick up. I need to pick up on, on what the situation here is here before I make my decisions or before I start trying to act like I understand what's happening. And that, that draws people to you when you're open right. and, and honest and you admit that you're not perfect and you don't have all the answers and you're willing to learn and you want to know what other people think mm -hmm. that that's opening yourself up, right? That's exposing yourself. That's being vulnerable. And that's way, really what attracts people to you. And by the way, yeah. talk about get vulnerable and exposing yourself. That's why we're the thong on the beach of Peru, Adam. It's all about that. I'm just trying to relate. And that's why they do it in but, Europe. But, but look, that's, we've discovered the, the answer to the mystery. But you're imposing your beliefs on the local situation, Brian. Oh, it's not my beliefs I'm imposing, Adam. It's I know. not my beliefs. I know, but they didn't want that. 
That's you know, vulnerability. <laughs> don't, you, don't, prejudge, don't prejudge what they want or don't want, Adam. Don't prejudge what they're being. I'm trying to open their mind too. It's a, it's a, it's a bilateral commission that we're forming here, baby. Let me just say, bro, the term ugly American. <laughs> that, 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 that's primarily to describe you on the beach in Peru and in a thong. I don't mind being called ugly either, by the way. It bothers me not. I don't have many mirrors house <laughs> <laughs> that's good so i i, I want to I, I there's something this you just triggered a memory that i haven't thought about in a long time um you guys and, and it was really interesting um this is something that happened before we ever got in the chocolate business but it was in peru adam i was working at the mine in our first business project in peru and um there's a place right outside cajamarca which is absolutely i told you i've been inside the great pyramid in egypt i've been to the to the jade, to the, to the Emerald Buddha in, 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 in Bangkok, I've, I've been done some pretty remarkable things to the Western wall and, 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 and done some pretty remarkable things all around the world. And there's a place, certain places around this globe have a buzz that's above and beyond their world-class Cusco and Machu Picchu and all this stuff. And I've been there. Yeah. There's a place outside Cajamarca that nobody knows about. That's like that. It's called Cumbe Mayo. And it's got this, un, un, the oldest waterworks in the Americas, as old as the pyramids of Egypt. And it's in this little community that's called Sexamayo. And it's on this crazy kind of eerie, almost Scottish Highland looking um, windswept treeless plains, high kind of windswept areas outside Cajamarca. And I went up there the first time, not the first time, one of the first times that I went up there was with a group. Uh, including the person who uh, introduced us uh, to our business project in Peru, Steve Fahir, a good friend of ours, a Hungarian gentleman, um, fun guy to hang out with. He uh, was had some, non, some nonprofit money and they were looking for a project to support. And we went up there to Cumbamayo to talk with the local village uh, about whether they would be interested in receiving funds to uh, enhance their infrastructure up there and make this a tourist attraction that would bring people and income into that community. And I think that, that, I don't know if I did as much, but I think Steve and the people that were with him that were from the funders went up there with the automatic assumption that this would be a slam dunk and that these people would jump at the opportunity and would want to, and would want to receive their money and start to develop this place into and get that steady flow of, of income coming in from people coming to visit. And what we found was that they were extremely reticent and clearly did not trust the people that were presenting it to them or the money that was being offered or the plan. Um, they, and they were not into it at all. And it was absolutely shocking to Steve and the other people who had brought the funds. And I think it's just from what you, what you said, um, they came up there with, the idea that they already knew what this community wanted and needed and that they, that it was in the bag that they would do it. And that this, they had a preconceived notion that this community was dying to have money to elevate their infrastructure and to attract more people and to have a steady flow of people and to have that income. And in reality, they had a whole different vision for what they wanted to do. And it wasn't that, and it was, uh, they, the, the folks that I was with never started the thing by saying, we would like to hear, What's been your experience? What is your current state? What is your vision for the future? They never did that. They just went right into their presentation. They showed no vulnerability in your terms. And they could not have been more shocked and rebuffed 
um, when it didn't work. And um, that was an eye opener for me. One of these things where it, you, you open your perspective, you might think, you know, what's going on with another person, because what seems obvious and natural to you, it just might not be obvious and natural to them. In fact, it's probably not, especially when you take into account those cultural differences, like a masseuse slapping your wife on her behind parts or like getting there's violently. Other, there's, a, there's other examples. You violently didn't cuffed you didn't on your, bring, you didn't have to bring right. that back up. Well, it's called the callback, Adam. It's a podcast thing, but uh, it's uh, or, or, or getting violently cuffed at the barber in Iraq. But yeah, it, it, you know, you, you got to, you got to be open to those differences. Yeah. You got to be open to those differences. Yeah, I absolutely agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're starting to run long here on the show. David, you got anything else you want to, you want to mention before we head out? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, just what I've been doing and I will do, you know, if, if you two leave my life and I hope that never happens, I will do the same thing tomorrow and next week, next year that I'm doing now. I'm trying to inspire people, let them know that it's okay to be you, that there's people out there that believe in you. And I'm, I mean, first and foremost, just take the, the, the chance and engage. I mean, I, 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 I have a son that told me, you know, we didn't we didn't know if you're going to be happy, if you're going to be able to, you know, really function uh, again like you used to. And, but it will never be like used to. But what I've done is I've I've met two wonderful, wonderful men that everything that you've done, I I have so much respect for. There's a new word called uh, humility that I'm going to introduce. My <laughs> humility, Excellent. My humility is far beyond what I can express to you right now. But I will say this. I'm a monster. I'm not only an ogre, I am a monster. And I so much believe in the way you guys have treated everybody from Don Fortunato and all the farmers over in Peru to the, to the very end of the consumer that I will do what I will continue to do, I believe. And I do this with a couple other companies that I truly, truly believe in because I happen to know that they've treated everybody and bridged gaps that you like, like you have. And I will do this and I hope other people catch on to it. And I hope uh, that, that you, you guys continue to inspire. I'm getting as many people as I can as in, in front of uh, your podcast and keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I appreciate that you've allowed me to jump the line. I mean, I got to come on before Dan. That to me is like, I don't I can't ever repay that. <laughs> well, hey, hey, you're going to be on again, man. So. Absolutely. All right. we, no, we got to keep, we're going to keep having you on, man. I loved having you. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I got to learn to be the fly on the wall. I, I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> it's hard for me not to say something. No, you need you to come to, to the store in Issaquah and, and see me live because uh, uh, pretty soon, I, I don't know, I might, <laughs> I might have a few more people than I want in front of me, but I'll do whatever it takes. All right, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. The, the global tour starts in Issaquah. If anyone wants to see David and Iho live, it's going off in Issaquah. Get your tickets now. Yeah, it's, it's going down. Great, right? um, well, hey, look, David, thank you so much for the kind words. I'll just say that we're we're nothing without our customers, right? We're nothing without you. There's nothing here. Like we can't. No, but I just want to say, like, we can't help the cacao farmers in Peru. We can't. Make, make people happy we can't do the the thing that we're doing with our company that's value valuable unless we have customers who love the chocolate and believe in what we're doing and want to be involved in, in in your case like now we're doing business with our customers it's the best i i like what you said about crossing the line i i would like to erase the line 
I mean, I just, you know, let's, if we're, if we're creating a yeah. little, right. If we're creating a little community here of right. people who love chocolate right. and who people care, who care about direct trade, then I, I don't know what exactly that means, but to the extent that we could just erase the line and all be one, then I think that's a great, a great goal for our company. I mean, so it'll take us some time to figure out what, what that even means, but I think it's a great goal. Go Brian. Yeah. I, I completely agree, Adam. And, 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 and this has been a revelatory experience. I think uh, just like you say, blurring this line and, and working on erasing it and, and, and just thinking about the chocolate. I just want to let everybody know this listening, like, so chocolate got here this last weekend. We just got um, a shipment in from chocolate. We got, we got a shipment in. We're in stock. Hey, we got the 47% back in stock, week. David. We got the 47% I got last week. That's yeah. right. We got the 47%. I got, I need the 47% though. <laughs> That's what we got. We got we got a bunch of it in stock. It was brought up uh, on a truck. I mean, this guy, this truck driver went above and beyond. George, really great guy from South Africa, just fantastic dude. And um, he he missed his drop off in Stockton, California, and he powered all the way up here to Issaquah to drop off our stuff. And then he was going to go right back to Stockton to hit another drop off window that he had. It was tough because the stuff from the first drop off was blocking our stuff in. We had to unload the whole truck, get our stuff out and reload the whole truck. And, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't have to do that, but with him, but I couldn't leave him hanging because George was such a great guy. I gave him some chocolate, the chocolates in stock. And we just opened up, you just sent an email out and we just opened up a bunch of States. Um, most of the Northern U S is now open, um, for shipping chocolate. So folks, if you've been wanting to get it, if you were worried about it melting over the summer, now's your chance. It's getting to be fall. It's getting to be autumn. We've got everything in stock. The states are, are coming open and I'll keep monitoring the weather, but go to fortunatochocolate.com and go ahead and place your order. If you've been waiting for the heat to start dropping, now's your chance. Go ahead and get it in there. Even if you can't wait and you're in a warm weather place, send me an email and we'll get something out to you. Um, even if you just accept that it might get a little bit heat damaged on the way, but uh, let's start eating some chocolate. Well, though. you know what, man? So that's cool before we sign off. I just got to, I'm sorry. I just got to say one more thing. So look, the guy, George, right? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good man. That's, that's a, a good, good person. Yeah. So here's, I think another thing that is easy to lose sight of. There are so many good people in the world. So they're almost many. All, they're almost all. They all are. Like, so we can't be convinced, like whatever's going on in the media or whatever, or just whatever people think that society, when people get older, they always get cranky, right? They're like, ah, back in the good old days, people were different. <laughs> um, like, no, People are really good still. Yes. And so like, if we're talking about blurring the line, it's all about, and there's great people all over the world going, bringing it back to what we're talking about. Like the circumstances are different, but they still are great people. And this whole thing, chocolate is the vehicle. Cacao is the vehicle for letting us bring great people together. Absolutely. For, for real, dude. And I'm, I, am, I am living and it's just the beginning yeah. man i mean we're this is this is just the beginning of this whole thing that we're going to be doing over the over the coming years so um they, monster monster <laughs> david you want to go ahead and sign us off with the jingle then <laughs> oh yeah right on i've been waiting to do this for months yeah let's hear it <laughs> yum. yes oh i love it yum. One more. Give it to us one more time so we can get a clean. Fortunato, yum. Beautiful. All right, everybody, check wow. out, out fortunatochocolate.com, and we're signing off. David, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, brothers, for having me on. All, All right. right. Bye. Bye, y'all.